are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. And open your Bible to Luke chapter 15, please. Luke chapter 15. Before I start reading, let me tell you the story up until where I'm going to start. So look right this way as I catch catch you up to date to the scripture here. You know the story. The story about the prodigal son. Prodigal son had decided uh, that he was going to leave home and and go into the far country and live it up. So he asked his father to give him his portion of the inheritance. He left home and went out in the far country. And of course, you know the story how he spent all spent all and then uh, became to be in want and then came back home was welcomed to home. But I want you to notice the fellow who stayed home. He had a brother who stayed home, and his brother. when the prodigal son came home, they had a party for him. And they said, kill the fatty. his father said, kill the fatted calf, put a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, or a new suit of clothes on him if you prefer it, or a new pair of shoes on his feet, and let's have a party. But the older son that stayed home wouldn't come to the party. Um, we scold him a lot. I got a sermon I preached on, the, on let's hear it for the other son. I'm not going to preach that this morning, but we scold this son, the older brother stayed home. Personally, I agree with the guy. I wouldn't have gone to the dumb party either. If my brother had gone out and taken half of my dad's money and gone out in the far country, wasted his time, spent, his, spent all the money and lived it up while I was out in the field plowing and, and picking cotton and, and, and hoeing and then and getting calluses on my hands and uh, going out there at sunup and staying until sunset and then my brother's down there at the, at the Holiday Inn, sleeping till 11 o'clock at night. He comes back home. He gets a ring. I get no ring. He gets a new suit. I get no suit. He gets a new pair of shoes. I get no cotton-picking shoes. And uh, uh, and they say, won't have a party for him. I'd say, uh, you can have the stupid party. I'm not going to go in there and have... I like the guy. He's my kind of guy. I know he did wrong, but nobody's perfect. And so I, uh, I sort of like the guy. But... Uh, I want you to notice now, when he wouldn't come to the party for his brother, in verse 29, the older son that stayed home said, and he answered, answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, or uh, didn't kill a fatted calf for me, that I might make merry with my friends, but as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. I want you to notice that. Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And, uh, and, and let me say, say this about the, about the brother stayed home. The, he got, the, the prodigal son got a pair of shoes, but the brother stayed home got all, all the shoes in the closet. All that I have is thine. The prodigal son got a new coat, a suit, uh, but the brother stayed home and worked. And he got the whole wardrobe. I mean, the, the prodigal son got a new ring, but the, the, the brother stayed home and got the whole jewelry box. And he said, he said, these many years do I serve thee. And I want you to notice this line. 
neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Now I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, obedience is the way to mastery. Obedience is the way to authority, if you please. I'm going to use the other mic so I can find it here. Where did it go? Where is it? Here it is. And uh, I'm going to use this mic, and I want to talk to you a while about obedience, the way to mastery. Now, I've got to, in order to uh, explain it, I've got to tell a story to you that I've told before. I'm sure I've told it here. If I haven't, I should have, but, but uh, I've got to tell you a story. I pastored in Garland, Texas for seven years, when I was a young man, I won't tell you how old I uh, was then, but Abraham Lincoln was the president at the time. And uh, I pastored in Garland, Texas. I had a radio broadcast every morning on KSKY in Dallas, 6.05 to 6.30, called the Old Time Religion Broadcast. Had a broadcast uh, again that afternoon, 5 to 5.30, every, every afternoon on KSKY. One every morning for 25 minutes, one every afternoon for, for 30 minutes. If I was going to be out of town, I took the, I made a tape, and I take the tape down to the Stonely Hotel. Stonely Hotel was the elite hotel where all the rich people stayed, and with the football teams came to town for the Cotton Bowl game, they stayed at the Stonely Hotel. It was a classy kind of a hotel. And uh, uh, on the 11th floor of the Stonely Hotel, there was a, uh, the studio for KSKY, the station on which I broadcast every morning and every afternoon. If I was going to be out of town, I'd make a tape. I'd, I'd drive the tape down, and, and uh, I'd go up to the 11th floor, leave the tape, and they'd play the tape the day I was gone. I was going to be gone on a Friday afternoon, or a Friday morning afternoon, so I had a tape to take down to the station to play for the next day. I think it was on a Thursday afternoon. I drove down to the Stony Hotel, about a 30-minute drive from where I lived out in Garland, Texas, a suburb of Dallas, and... Uh, so I, I got the tape, and I went into the lobby of the hotel to the elevator. Now, back in those days, you didn't have automatic elevators. You had elevator operators. A little pretty, pretty little girl usually would, would be an elevator operator. Uh, a pretty little girl sort of like, um, I don't see any would qualify here this morning. But the uh, uh, truth is, all of you would qualify, but uh, even some of you fellows would. But uh, this is San Francisco, isn't it? But... Um, uh, I went in, and, and this uh, very attractive little elevator operator was there, and I, I, you couldn't push a button and go to the floor. You had, she had, had a little uh, deal that she had to pull. And I said, 11th floor, please. And she didn't move. She went, ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, I wasn't surprised. I usually affect women that way. And, and uh, so... Uh, uh, I said, 11th floor, please. Ooh, ooh. I said, ma'am, would you take me the 11th floor, please? She said, oh, oh, he kissed me, he kissed me, he kissed me. I said, ma'am, I've got to take this stupid little tape here to the stupid 11th floor. Would you get that stupid machine there and pull that stupid lever, and would you take me to the stupid 11th floor? stupid and uh, so uh, she said oh he kissed me he kissed me 
I said, ma'am, if I kiss you, will you take me to the 11th floor, please? Oh, he kissed me. He kissed me. I said, would you mind telling me who kissed you? Elvis kissed me. Elvis Presley. I got your attention then, didn't I? He kissed me. Elvis Presley. These are back in the days when Elvis Presley was at the peak of his popularity in America. And uh, I said, now, wait a minute. Hold on here, baby. I mean, ma'am. I said, hold on. Ain't no way. Uh, oh, yeah, Elvis, the real Elvis Presley. He kissed me. He kissed me. I said, ma'am, would you please take me to the 11th floor? And if you will, I won't kiss you. And so she did. And uh, so she took me to the 11th floor. I got off the elevator. I said, now, if you'll just stay right here a minute, I got to walk to that desk over there and put this tape on. So I walked over to the desk. I put the tape there on the desk and came back, and uh, she waited for me. And I said, now back down to the first floor. The elevator, however, stopped at the seventh floor. And none other than Elvis Presley himself got on that elevator. See that hand right there? That's the hand that shook Elvis Presley's hand. You want to shake the hand that shook Elvis Presley's hand? You do, don't you? Hey, you're shaking a hand. that sh- Did you tingle? You are from San Francisco, aren't you? And so I said, and by the way, he had on a green satin suit. I mean, real bright green and smooth satin suit. And I said, Elvis, my name is Jack Hiles. And then it happened. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that filled my soul. Something happened. Anyway, uh, I said, Elvis, I said, uh, uh, do you have a few minutes? By the way, I never met a nicer fellow in my life than Elvis Presley. I mean that. Uh, I said, you have a few minutes? Well, he said, sure, I've got a few minutes. I said, could you give me about 10 or 15 minutes of your time? I'd like to talk with you. And those days, Elvis and I were pretty close to the same age. Um... You, you've seen my impersonation of Elvis, haven't you? Huh? You ready? But anyway, um, I, uh, we sat down and we talked together in the lobby of the Stonely Hotel. And I said, Elvis, um, let me ask you a question. Do you know if you died today, you'd go to heaven? And he shocked me. He quickly retorted, yes, Jack, I do. And I said, Elvis, are you sure you're saved? He said, yes, I am. I said, what, how do you know? He said, Jack, when I was just a little, little lad, little boy, my grandmother, who was a godly Christian woman, took me out in the country outside Memphis, Tennessee, to an old-fashioned revival meeting where an old-fashioned preacher preached the gospel. And I walked the aisle, I knelt at the altar, someone took the Bible and showed me how to get saved, and I got saved. And I said, Elvis, why in the world are you living the life that you're living now? And here's what he said. I wanted to be free. I did not want to be a slave. Several months later, I picked up the newspaper. And the headlines said, the king is dead. Elvis Presley thought he could be free by doing his own thing. 
But the truth is, he became a slave to dope. And die, he who decided he wanted to be free from the old-fashioned rules of his grandmother became a slave and died a slave to dope. I'll come back to that in a few minutes. The way to mastery is obedience. No word in the English language has been as misused and abused as the word obedience. It's almost a forgotten word in our homes. It's almost a forgotten word in our schools, our churches, and our nation. I'd like to take a moment to clarify that word obedience this morning. I want to make three statements. Number one, obedience is not slavery. Number two, he who serves is master of whom he serves. Let me say it again. He who serves is master of whom he serves. Number three, obedience is making your master your servant. For example, at West, at, at West Point this morning, they're training the generals of our land. Now, they're not training them to be leaders. They're training them to be followers. You read sometimes the memoirs of the life of the biography of Douglas MacArthur and see how they trained that great general in West Point. They did not train him to be a leader. They trained him to be a follower because the way you become a leader someday is be a follower now. The prodigal son's brother who stayed home kept on serving. And he said, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. And his father said, All that I have is thine. The way to become a leader someday is to be a follower now. The way to someday have authority is be under authority now. Let me illustrate what I mean. I get up every morning at 5.45. Every morning, 5.45. That's, and I, you say, well, how's that's too early to get up. Some of you are saying, well, that's too late to get up. I don't give a cotton pick and flip what you think about what time I get up. I get up every morning at 5.45. What time do I get up every morning? Anybody home? What time do I get up in the morning? The lights are on, but nobody's home. The cheese is falling out of your sandwich. What time do I get up in the morning? 5.45. Every morning I get up at 5.45. I, I bathe at 6 o'clock. I'm talking about every morning, 6 o'clock, I bathe. I wish you had done the same thing this morning. But I bathe every morning at 6 o'clock. Now, if it's 1 minute to 6 before I bathe, I stand there and look at the water for 1 minute. I step in the water at 6 o'clock. You're looking this morning at a computer. I don't mean I'm shaped like a computer. I mean I, I live by schedule. I mean, dun, 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 just like a machine. I wake up at, at uh, oh, I forgot what time I wake up, at um, 5.45. And at 6 o'clock, I, uh, uh, I um, bathe. That's right. And then at 6.30, I eat breakfast. Every morning, 6.30, I eat breakfast. So I get up at, uh, anybody home? I get up at... Um, and I bathe at, uh, and if it's one minute to six, I look at the, um, <laughs> okay. And this is the dumbest bunch I've seen in a long, long time. And uh, then I, uh, I, I eat at uh, 6.30. And 7 o'clock, I leave home. 7 o'clock, I, I leave home. Okay, get up at 5.45. I bathe at 6 o'clock. I eat at 6.30. I leave at 7 o'clock. And... Uh, I don't do this anymore, but for years I went by the what, the, the uh, White Hen Pantry, a little 7-Eleven type convenience mart, 
and got there at, at 7.05. And I got me a USA Today paper, and I left at 7.10. So I get up at 5.45, I bathe at 6, eat at 6.30, leave at 7, go out here in pantry at 7.05, get a USA Today paper, and leave at 7.10, and get to work about 7.30. Okay, uh, let's see how much Bible you've learned so far. I get up every morning at... Um, I can't hear you. I get up at, uh, and I, uh, I bathe at, uh, and if it's one minute to six, I look at the, uh, and then I eat at, um, I leave home at, uh, and I get, I go to the, uh, yeah, you lost me then. I go to the, uh, White Hen Pantry, get there at 7 get me a, uh, USA Day paper and leave at, um, this particular morning. It was cold. It was about 20 inches of snow on the ground and about 10 or 12 below zero. I got up that morning at, uh, oh, I got up at um, 5.45. I took a bath at, uh, I can't hear you, I took a bath at, uh, and I, uh, I ate at, um, and I left, uh, left the house at, um, and went to the, uh, and got there at 7 and got me a, and left at uh, 7.10. No, I didn't either. No, I didn't. I got back in the car, 7.10, put my key in the car, turned it, and didn't say a thing. Didn't, didn't go, it didn't even go, it went. Oh, dirty bricker, bracker, placker, limo, brotcha, brotcha, slattery up. <laughs> there I go talking in tongues again. That's as near as Oral Roberts ever came to talking in tongues, too. Oh, dirty bricker, bracker, placker, limo, brotcha, brotcha, slattery up. Stupid car wouldn't start. Oh, my soul. 12 below zero, 20 inches of snow on the ground. I go back in the white hen pantry. I, uh, I pick up the phone, I call my mechanic. And I say, this is Pastor Hiles, First Baptist Church, Hammond. I'm at the White Hen Pantry on the corner of 175th and, and Columbia, and my car won't start. I need you to come down and get my car started. He said, sure, Reverend. I'll be there within an hour. Ho, 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 ho. I said, no, you won't be here within an hour. You'll be here within five minutes. It's a five-minute drive from where you are or less, and you'll be here within five minutes. He said, Reverend, I can't come within five minutes. I got a bunch of folks ahead of you. I got about 20 folks ahead of you. And I got to take them as they come. I said, oh, no, you'll be here in five minutes. He said, Reverend, I can't do it. I said, how long have you been servicing our fleet of vehicles at First Baptist Church? He said, 25 years. I said, would you like to go for 26? He said, be, be right there. Within five minutes, my mechanic came up. He came out outside the, I forgot where I was now, out at the um, White Hen Pantry. I was going to get a, um, I got there at, um, I was going to leave at, uh, but I didn't leave it because the car wouldn't start. He, he got in the car. I was standing out here watching him. He looked down on like that. He did like that and did like that a little bit and did like that. Within 30 seconds, he had that car started. And I said, what a mechanic. Man alive, that guy's the best mechanic in the world. He got out. He says, $35. I, guess, I said, sure, it's worth it. I gave him $35. I'd been somewhere else to preach. Oh, I want to get 25 out here. And I... Uh, I, I gave him $35, and I said, boy, you're the best mechanic in the world. What a mechanic. I said, do you mind telling me what was wrong with it? 
He said the stick was not in park. <laughs> Cost me 35 stupid dollars for him to take that gear stick and push it in the park. Now, I got in the car and the gear stick started talking to me. And the gear stick said the reason I didn't obey you is because you wouldn't obey me. You stick me in park and do what I say, I will obey you. I will start your car. I will drive you forward. I will obey you if you want to turn right. I will obey you if you want to turn left. But the first thing you've got to do is you've got to obey me. Now, some of you fellows out here this morning, you want to have some authority someday, but nobody's going to obey you, and the reason is because you don't obey anybody right now. I'm talking about you El Puncos that think you're God's gift to, to uh, the girls here. I don't see any that are, but uh, uh, you, I'm talking about you that stay just inside the rules. I want to tell you something. Get ready for it. You will never have any authority. When they train the generals of tomorrow at West Point, they teach them how to follow and not how to lead. And this prodigal son's brother who stayed home, the prodigal son had no authority. He had one ring, one pair of shoes. He had one robe, one fatted calf. But the son that stayed home and obeyed, the father said, All I have is thine. And by the way, I'll bet you a quarter. That's not right, is it? You're not supposed to do that. So I'll bet you a dime. I'll bet you a dime that when the prodigal son came home, his brother was his boss. Why? He who served leads. He who obeys will be obeyed. And he who rebels will have rebellion against him. Now, if someday you want to have authority, you obey now because obedience is God's planned way to authority. Take, for example, the, uh, a wall plug, wall plug, wall socket. You call them sockets? Wall socket. The wall socket says, you obey me and I'll obey you. You put the plug of that uh, appliance into the socket and obey me, then I will run your shaver, I will run your washing machine, I will run your radio, I will run your television set, I will run your dishwasher, I will run your dryer, but the first thing you've got to do is obey me. Now you listen to me. You who obey the teachers in school are someday going to have authority. Because being, uh, being a good leader is not the way to become a leader. Being a good follower is the way to become a, a good leader. The ground says, you obey me and place your seed in me, and I will obey you and give you a harvest. But obedience is always the way to authority and always the way to mastery. And those that refuse to obey will not ever be obeyed now there's several things you're supposed to obey the first thing you're supposed to obey your parents now you listen to me and you listen well you may have memorized more scripture than anybody in this school but if you don't obey your mom and dad you're not right with god you may be the best soul winner in the soul winning club but if you don't obey god your mom and dad you're not right with god i said you're not right with god and I'll say you also you're not a good Christian. You might sing in the group that sang a while ago. But if you don't obey your mom and dad, you're not right with God. You may make the honor roll. You know what I see these, these bumper stickers? It's, you know, my child is an honor roll student at Evolution High School. 
Uh, I'd like somebody to, to put a bumper sticker, my child obeys his mama. My child, I like the one that says, my child, beat up your child that's on the honor roll. I like that one. But I want to tell you something, there's something better than being on the honor roll, and that's obeying your mom and dad. There's something better than singing in the sextet, and that's obeying your mom and dad. There's something better than being than memorizing the most more Bible than anybody in the school, and that's obeying your mom and dad. And I don't care who you are, you're not right with God. I said you're not right with God if you disobey your mom and dad. You read your Bible someday, and you will find that when God lists the wicked, dirty, hey, I like pretty good behind flowers, don't I? And you, you'll find when God lists the, sin, the wicked sins, he puts drunkenness, he puts adultery, he puts homosexuality, and right in the middle of those wicked, dirty sins, he puts disobedience to parents. Why? Because obedience is the very foundation and the framework of our society. Somebody's got to be in charge. Somebody's got to be in authority. And America is training a bunch of leaders, and we're not training any followers, and that's why we have no leaders, because we have not trained them to follow. I, when I was a boy, let me tell you this story. It's, I think I've told this probably before here. I'll never forget it. One of the most startling stories I've ever heard or ever seen. We had in our youth group years ago a young man who was the epitome of all I wanted young men to be. He was a soul winner, read his Bible, a good student, went to Hammond Baptist schools, and a wonderful young man. In the process of time, he, he became a little rebellious. And that's where it starts. He got with a group that stayed just inside the rules. And, uh, and by the way, there is a wrong crowd at North Valley Baptist Schools. And there is a wrong crowd at Hammond Baptist Schools. I'm not talking about the rule breakers. I'm talking about those that stay just inside the rules. I'm talking about those that get by with everything they can get by with without getting a spell. I wouldn't give you a dime for a carload of you. This guy got with that crowd, and you shouldn't get with that crowd wasn't long till he was breaking rules. wasn't long to smoke a cigarette. Of course, he was expelled from our school. wasn't long till he was taking a little dope. wasn't long till he was taking a drink every now and then. It wasn't long until the fellow was doing about everything there was to do that was immoral. He had a godly father. His father was a spiritual, godly man. He broke his heart because his son was living in sin. And his son went farther down and farther and farther and farther till he got all the way to the bottom. His father died. The doctor said there was nothing wrong with his father. His son, he died because his heart was broken because of his son. I was in St. Margaret's Hospital visiting the family when the father died. I was there when the father died. They took the corpse, uh, they took a sheet, and pulled that sheet over the corpse of this man. We're sitting there. I was comforting the family. The son had not been there. All of a sudden, this wicked son walked in. We were stunned. We didn't expect him to come. We didn't know where he was. He walked in. He walked over to his father's bed. Bear in mind, his father's dead now. I've been dead a few minutes. 
This son walks over. He pulls the sheet back from his father's face like that. He gets up in bed and straddles his father's body just like this. His father's body is lying like this, face up. The young man reaches out and picks up his father's torso and pulls his father's body and face towards him. He puts his arms like that around his father, his dead body, and says, Hug me, Daddy! Hug me, Daddy! Daddy, hug me! Hug me, Daddy! Hug me, Daddy! Hug me, Daddy! Too late, son. You ought to hug him while he was alive. You ought to obey him while he was alive. And I saw this young man take his father's hand, his father's face, his dead face, and hold it like this between his hands, like this, and pull his father's lips to him and began to kiss his father's lips. He said, kiss me, Daddy! Kiss me, Daddy! Daddy, kiss me! Kiss me, Daddy! It's too late! Now you listen to me. America needs a revival of obedience. I was talking to this morning about obedience. I obey the law. If it says 35, I go 35. I don't go 36. If it says speed limit is 25, I go 25. I don't go 26 miles an hour. When it says stop, I don't slow down. I stop. Now, if the law, if the law is 25, I go under 25. I'm trying to tell you that we need a revival in America of authority. It may not be that we'll agree with authority, but authority, and I want to say this, we need some pastoral authority and people that obey their pastors and follow their pastors. We need some young people that obey their teachers and obey their principles and obey the authority. I'm saying, thank God, as a child, I was taught to obey authority. And I'll promise you this, not a man in America has more loyal followers than Dr. Jack Hylston. I had a little get-together last Saturday night for my people who've worked for me over 20 years. I have 10 people who've worked for me over 30 years, 3 people over 35 years, and 55 people worked for me over 20 years. Would you like to know why? If I, I promise you this, if I called any assistant pastor I held on the phone today and told him that God had spoken to me and told me to tell him to go commit suicide, I'll promise you, any one of them would be in heaven by noon. You say, how do you get that kind of fellowship? I don't demand it. But when I was a boy, I obeyed my mama, I obeyed my teachers, I obeyed authority, and the Bible says, if you want God to say someday, all that I have is thine, then you say, lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. 1984, by the way, when I was a boy, I never left my mother's presence. See, my dad was an alcoholic, and mother reared me alone in poverty. I never left my mother's presence without kissing her goodbye. Never. Never. I'm saying, you young people, kiss your mom. Kiss them. Kiss them. Moms, moms, don't kiss these boys in the mouth. Kiss them on the stupid cheek, but not in the mouth. There's nothing more discouraging than for a boy to see a couple of 40-year-old lips coming towards his mouth. So they see a train coming down the track. But I kissed my mama goodbye. 
I'm getting closer to you all the time. I kiss, I'm still, I kiss my mama goodbye every time I left her. And every time I left my mother, I said, I love you, mother. Yeah, I'm just not the type. Well, become the type. I'm just not the affectionate type. Get right with God and become the affectionate type. My daughter Cindy, every time she sees me, she says, I love you, Daddy. You know why she says it? Because I am so all-fired lovable. <laughs> my mother became very ill. I'm not laughing because she's ill. I'm laughing because some of the funny things she did while she was ill. I was called to her apartment. I picked her up in my arms like that and carried her to the car, and they said that she was dying. So we rushed her to the hospital and put her in a wheelchair. And uh, so my, my, my sister thought she was dying. And, and she rushed in there quickly, and finally they got her to where her heart rate was okay, and they checked her in the hospital. I went out to get, to get the car, parked the car, and I'd, I'd let her out the emergency entrance, went out to park the car and got back, and my sister began to cry and laugh. She said, Jack, said, guess what mother just did? I said, what's that? She said, turn around and saw her witnessing. She was witnessing to a nurse in a white uniform. And she said, nurse, by the way, she's dying now, dying. She said, nurse, do you know if you die today, you go to heaven? My mother, 96 years of age, died. Pardon me, I'm about to throw up on you right here. My stomach. <laughs> it's the second row that made me sick at my stomach right there. So, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, my... Uh, my mother said, nurse, do you know if you died, you go to heaven? Would you like to know? If I showed you how you could know, would you do it? She said, Jack, mother was witnessing to the nurse, except there was no nurse there. Mother was almost blind. There was a tall filing cabinet there, a white filing cabinet, and my mother was witnessing to the filing cabinet and got it saved, too. There's a filing cabinet written down in glory. They put, took mother to them. Uh, hospital and she lived a few days and we, we moved her over to our college clinic and um, I went to see her one night and she looked at me and she said who are you and I said I'm Jack Hiles she said uh, uh, what are you doing here I said I'm your son oh that's nice she said and uh, she said uh, where do you work no she said are you married I said yes I am she said, what's your wife's name? I, I, looked, at my, I looked at my pocket, and picked it, uh, Beverly, and, and she said, do you have any children? I said, yes, I do. She said, how many? I said, four. She said, what are their names? I said, Becky and David, Linda and Cindy. Oh, that's nice. She said, where do you work? I said, at First Baptist Church Hammond. What do you do? I said, I'm pastor. She said, you don't call that work, do you? She's dying, making fun of my job. The night before she died, I uh, went to her bedside. It was on Wednesday night, September 19, 1984. I went to her bedside, and my mother looked up, and she said, Son, read me some verses about heaven. I'm going to heaven in a few hours. I opened the Bible, but I couldn't read because I was crying, and I thank God I'd memorized some verses about heaven so I quoted verses about heaven to her. 
Then she said, could we sing some songs about heaven? And we sang, there's a land that is fairer than day. I, I, I missed the key on that, but you wouldn't know the difference anyway. And we sang, sing the wondrous love of Jesus when we all get to heaven. We sang, uh, in the sweet by and by, we sang together, <laughs> oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the sky. Oh, they tell me of a home far away. We sang the unclouded day together. And then my mother looked up and she said, Son, I won't be here now the next time you come. I want you to make me two promises before I die. I said, What are they, Mother? She said, Son, the first promise I want you to make me is I want you to promise me that you'll preach my funeral. I said, What else, Mother? She said, Promise me that you won't cancel any speaking engagement because of my death. And I said, Mother, you understand, I don't believe I could preach your funeral. I, 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 don't, I, I think I, I couldn't do it. And, and Mother, I couldn't keep on preaching if you were waiting. I was waiting for your funeral. And my mother looked at me and she said, Son, you get this. You've never disobeyed your mama. You have never disobeyed your mama. She said, Don't disobey me on my deathbed and I said mother I'll preach your funeral for you and I promise you that I'll not cancel a single speaking engagement because of your death next morning I flew to Charleston South Carolina where I was where I spoke at the state Christian educators convention as I always did before I left the and boarded the airplane. The last thing I did was call Mama for 18 years. I called my Mama. And the last thing I do before I boarded the plane was say, I love you, Mother. I picked up the phone that morning, September 20th, 1984. And I called the college clinic. I said to the nurse, Would you, is my mother conscious this morning? Could I talk to her? And the nurse said, Brother Hiles, Dr. Hiles, your mother's dying. She won't live but a couple hours at the most. I'll try to keep her alive till you get here. I said, nurse, I can't come. She said, why can't you come? I said, nurse, I can't come. But she said, your mother's dying. And I said, nurse, I'm sorry, but I can't come. She said, don't you love your mother? I said, you haven't got the foggiest idea how much I love that woman, but I can't come. Because I said last night about 11 o'clock, I promised my mother I wouldn't cancel any speaking engagement because of her death. I said, would you put the phone right beside her ear, please? And the, the, the nurse put the phone beside mother's ear, and she said, okay, Dr. Hiles. And I shouted. They could hear me many, many gates down the, uh, the uh, hallway, concourse. I love you, Mama! I love you, Mama! Mama! I love you, Mama! I boarded the airplane. Went to South Carolina. Charleston, South Carolina. Went to motel room, room 217, La Quinta Inn. Charleston, South Carolina. Five minutes before I was supposed to go preach that night, the phone rang. My sister said, Jack, Mother just went to heaven. 
I wish you could have been here, Jack. We're all gathered around her bed. We sang, well, I heard an old, old story how the Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Said we sang victory in Jesus while Mother went to heaven. I was quiet. I couldn't speak. My sister said, Jack, Jack, I couldn't speak. Jack, are you all right, Jack? Jack, how do you feel? And I said, Earlene, I feel very, very obedient. Five minutes later, I got in the car, and the driver said, How's your mother doing? I said, Better than she's done in a long, long time. I feel very, very obedient. Let me ask you a question. You want to be a leader someday? You want, you want to be a pastor someday that's followed and loved by his followers? You want to be a, hus a husband someday whose wife obeys you? You want to be a mother and father someday whose children obey you? The way you do it is you obey them now. Father, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Son, all that I have is thine. The disobedient child that came home, <laughs> the disobedient child that came home got a ring, but the boy stayed home, got the whole jewelry box. Disobedient child that went off from home, got a new suit. The obedient child that stayed home got the whole wardrobe. One ring to the disobedient one who came home. All that I have is thine to the obedient one who stayed. One suit of clothes or one robe the boy that went into sin and came home. The whole wardrobe, all that I have is thine. Young people, you listen to me. One of these days you're going to be an adult. You'll be 25, 30, 35 years of age. You're going to want to have some leadership and some authority. You won't get it by being disobedient now. You won't get it by breaking the rules now. You'll get it by doing what the brother that stayed home did. All that I have is thine. I preached that night. Less than an hour after my mother went to heaven. Between that day, that night, my mother died. And 11 o'clock the next Monday morning, we buried her. I preached eight times. Indiana, Illinois, Virginia, in South Carolina. Preached my mother's funeral Monday morning at 11. I had to leave to go to the airport from the cemetery, kiss my, my wife and family goodbye, and rush to the airport and preach that night near Louisville, Kentucky. I do not know of a man who has a wife more submissive than I. I do not know of a man who has a staff more submissive than mine. I do not know of a church. I do not know of one single member of my church that's anything but for Brother Hiles. May I tell you the secret? I was obedient. I was obedient. When I was in school, I had an English teacher. Her name was Miss Duddle. A-D-D-U-D-D-E-L-L. -L. Her body was shaped like her name. She looked like she played tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. 
great big old gal, about six foot four, and she invented ugliness. She was God's example for people he hated when he made them. But she loved English. And so, Mr. Duddle, now we hated her guts. Well, no, we didn't. We, we disliked her intestines. Uh, we weren't very fond of her innards. But anyway, uh, we, uh, but, but she'd come in and, and she'd say, Boys and girls, guess who we're studying? Who? Helen, who we're studying? This morning, we're studying William Cullen Bryant. Who's he play for? He's the one that wrote these immortal words. So live that when thy summons comes, to join that innumerable caravan, that sweeps to the endless portals of death. Go thou not as the quarry slave at night, scourged to his dungeon, but sustained and soothed in unfaltering trust. Approach thy grave as one who wraps the drapery of his couch about him and lies down to pleasant dreams. <laughs> She'd go, ah, we'd go, ah. Anybody likes that stuff is retarded. Anyway, uh, but anybody that doesn't learn it is going to be retarded too. Then she'd say the next day, boys and girls, you know who we're studying today? Who? Chaucer. You're going to study the cups too or just the Chaucer? <laughs> she'd say, listen to this. One that a pretty with his shoulder sote, the drought of March is pressed the roti, and bothered every vein and seeks the core. You say, do you like her? <laughs> Let's just say that uh, she was not my favorite teacher. But I obeyed her. I obeyed her. Several years ago, I got a letter from her. She said, dear Jack. Jack, I'm Dr. Hiles for you, Helen. She said, I remember... I heard about you being pastor of the largest church in the world. And she said, I remember when you were in English class at Adamson High School in Dallas, Texas. She said, you didn't make the best grades in English. <laughs> I already knew that. But she said, I'm not surprised that you pastor the largest church in the world because you were the most obedient child our young person in my class. Most obedient young person in my class. If I could say one thing to you this morning to give you happiness, I'd say you obey while you're young. And that goes to you wives. Obeying your husbands. Oh, you say my husband not very spiritual. The Bible doesn't say, say obey your spiritual husband, so obey your husband. You say, my husband, he's not a very good leader. Bible doesn't say obey your very good leader husband, so obey your husband. You understand that? Does she obey you? You obey him? I, I won't ask you. I know you folks. <laughs> now, you listen to me, folks. There is only one way to God for God to give you authority. I, 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 I like this out a little bit. I like this part of the story. Prodigal son. 
He goes out in the far country, <laughs> checks in the Holiday Inn, and uh, gets him a Trans Am car, red. I, I, you don't know all this because you don't know the Greek like I know it. But anyway, <laughs> gets him a Trans Am car. And girls flock to him. He's got a big old wad of money. Look, look at that money. Look at that. Huh? You, you're going for me right now, aren't you? Uh, excuse me. But anyway, he, he gets a big wad of money, and boy, the girls flock to him. Brunettes, blondes. Do you know the advantage of being married to a blonde? You can park in the handicapped places. I'm married to one. All the brunettes and blondes and redheads, that's all there is. I your name is Rodman. <laughs> so they flock to him. Man, he's having the time of his life. But one day, he runs out of money. The blondes flee, the brunettes flee, and the redheads flee, and the car is is repossessed. Holiday Inn kicks him out. <laughs> he tries to find a job. Finds one feeding the pigs. <laughs> corn, and his salary is, he gets the husk off the corn. He's laying there one day in the hog pen, and he says, good night. Servants back work for my dad have it better than I have it. I'll rise and go to my father and ask him to make me one of his hired servants. He goes to his dad, and his dad knows he's coming home because he's been praying he would. Kill the fatted calf. My boy's home. Put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, new suit on his back. My boy's home. Call the neighbors. Going to have a party. They're having his party. Somebody says his brother's not here. Somebody goes, they say, dad says, go tell my, brother, my son to come. His son, son comes and says, no, I'm not going to come. He's been down there to Holiday Inn, driving a Trans Am car, living up with a bunch of pretty women. I've been out here sweating in the corn fields and cotton fields and, uh, and the hay fields. No, I'm not going to come to a stupid party. The dad comes out and says, son, we're having a party for your brother. Come on in. He said, dad, I'm not going to come. I, I can't do it. He said, why? He said, uh, these many years have I served thee. You never gave me a kid. You never gave me a ring. He said, son, all that I have is thine. Because you've obeyed me. I think the brother came to the party then. I, don't, I wouldn't, didn't say, but I think so. Prodigal son goes to bed that night after the party's all over. Boy, it's good to be home. Boy, these sheets feel good. They sure beat that hog pen. Man alive, this pillow sure beats sleeping on a hog. That's what Miss Treber does every night. Anyway, I uh, sure be sleeping on a hog. And uh, boy, it feels great. Man, it's good to be home. And boy, that was such a good supper. Wow, boy, and that ring and the shoes I had on and that new suit of clothes. He goes off to sleep. Four o'clock in the morning. Hey, get up, get up. Get up. Four o'clock in the morning. It's the time I'm used to going to bed. Up, son. Up. 
Dad, it's just 4 o'clock in the morning. Time to go to work, son. Work? What's that mean? That's the dirty four-letter word. Work! He said, up! Time to go to work! He gets up. His dad says, go out in the field. He goes out in the field. Guess who his boss is? His brother's out there going, Guess who the boss is? Hey, guess who the boss is? The guy that ran out in the far country and disobeyed? No, sir. The disobedient works for the obedient. <coughs> and the obedient is the boss of the disobedient. Go right ahead and break the rules. Go ahead. Go right ahead and be one of those that barely stays there. Go ahead. But I'll guarantee you one thing. You'll work for some of these little guys that are obeying their teachers and their moms and their dads one of these days. He comes in that night, and he's tired. Oh, he walks down a pew at home. <laughs> oh, he's tired. Oh, I've got to have a hot date. I've got to have some relaxation. I've got to have me a date. He remembers the little gal last night at the party. When he had left to go, she was a little bitty thing, but she'd grown up while he was gone. He said, boy, she was a knockout. He picks up the phone. Hello. Hey, Betty. <laughs> Her name was Betty Goldstein. <laughs> I said, hey, Betty. You got to understand, you don't laugh when you think it's funny. You laugh when I think it's funny. So we'll try it again. Her name was Betty Goldstein. Her name was Betty Goldstein. Her name was Betty Goldstein. Hey, Betty. Hey, Betty. This, this bill. This bill. Yeah. I'm the one the party honored last night. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, how you like, how'd you like those shoes? Huh? You could see your pretty face in them, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Hey, how about that suit of clothes, huh? Did you think I looked good in them? You did? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. How about that ring? Uh, blinded you, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, how about that fatted cake? Wasn't that barbecue good? <laughs> I'm the one they honored. Like, hey, baby, why don't you and I go out and paint the town red a little while tonight, huh? Okay. You can't go. Your daddy says you can't go. Why? Your daddy was crying last night welcoming me home. He says I got to prove myself before I can date his daughter. Huh. In comes the brother stayed home. Hey, Bob. Or Bill. Hey, Bill. <laughs> Who you talking to? Talking to Betty Goldstein. Goldstein? Talking to Betty Goldstein. She won't go with me. You want to what? He said, let me have the phone. The brother stayed home, picks up the phone, says, hey, this is Bob. One stayed home. What do you say we go out tonight? You can? Okay. Be right over. Guess who got the girl? Not you El Punkos that think you're smart. I can look at you and tell which ones you are. Not you El Punkos that think you're God's gift to the women. You're not. You're God's gift to the queers up in San Francisco. Now you listen to me. When you disobey authority, you disobey God. 
you disobey God. Elvis, that's the key word. Elvis, why are you living the life you live? He said, I got tired of rules. I want to be free. Well, Elvis, your grandmother was a god- godly woman. Yeah, I know, but I, got- I want to be free. Elvis got up. He said, come with me, Jack. He went to a mirror. He said, look in that mirror. He said, I got my suit at some like Jocks of Hollywood. Where'd you get yours? I said, Jocks Penney. J.C. Penney is what they call it sometimes. He said, look at your suit and look at mine. He said, which pays? Your life or mine? He said, come with me, Jack. We went out in front. And there was a long, beautiful car, Rolls-Royce car out in the front or something like that. He said, where is your car? (laughs) Poor old thing was sitting over here, sitting there going about as fast as it went while I was driving it. He said, that's your car and this is mine. He said, whose life pays? Yours or mine? I'd like to ask you now, Elvis. Whose life pays? It's been 40 years since you and I were sitting together there in the lobby of the Stonely Hotel. Been 40 years. Ask a question, Elvis. I pastor the largest church in the world. I'm chancellor of the largest independent Baptist fundamental Bible college in the world. For our 50th wedding anniversary, I bought my wife a Lincoln Town Car. I don't drive one, but she does. My wife's got everything. Clothes, Lincoln, me. What more could you want? Two out of three is not bad. Young people, I'm here to tell you this morning, obedience is the way to mastery. Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgress I at any time that I come ever now. Now what you need is not necessarily, though I'm not against this, not necessarily some great revival meeting where you cry and say, I want to rededicate my life to God. No, rededicate your life to obedience. We don't need just, just a great revival where everybody cries, I want to do better. Well, tell God what you're going to do better. The great secret to your life is obedience. 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 Until you get to the place where you obey, you'll never have any authority. Son, don't disobey me on my deathbed. You never disobeyed me. I ask you a question. I'm through I'm through now. I ask you a question. Are you obedient to your mom? And dad, huh? I ask you a question. Are you obedient to your school teacher? I ask you a question, fellas. You may have a bicep as big as a cantaloupe, but you're not a real man. Do you learn how to obey?
or you may have a bicep as big as a grape, which is what looks like most of you have. That's the question. Are you obedient? I'm, I'm talking to you guys right along this row here. You obedient to your mom and dad? Pastor, principal, teachers? How about you folks here? Are you obedient? How about you here? You four girls on this side and you seven boys down there. You obedient? What does your room look like this morning? Korean War was fought there last night? How about you fellows down there? Hey, how about you four girls, five boys, and that poor little you lamb down there on the end? Are you obedient? Huh? Well, I'll play on a team. I don't give a flip whether you play on the team or not. Are you obedient? I can bench press 300 pounds. I don't care if you can't bench press two pounds. The guy's a real man who uh, controls his himself and is in charge of himself and obeys authority his mom and dad how about this row here how come it's always four girls on the end four 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 this is a different row. how about it how about this hey all girls but two sisters here on the end how about it cutie you obey your dad and mom huh how about it Everybody here wants to have authority someday, but you won't have it till you learn to obey. These many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Son, all that I have is thine. How about you wives? Your wife's not near as bad as you said she was. How about you wives? You spiritual giantesses who teach the biggest ladies Bible class in the church and rebel against your husband at home. Huh? You frigid, cold, unaffectionate women blaming it on the fact that my mom and dad never were affectionate. All shut up and get on your knees and pucker up. Oh, these many years do I serve thee. Bow your heads, please. I asked you a question this morning. Are you obedient to authority? That's the whole sermon. Are you obedient to authority? Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. 